Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year for the first time recording after a playoff victory. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul, and Frank is forgetting our famous podcast of 95 back when well, we all or we knew each other, but we still did a podcast. It was well, and crazy. it was just it was distributed on cassette. Like you could make a cassette <laughs> and then give it to other friends who could dub it and pass it around, and and uh, you know that's how right. we got it around then. But I feel like in the internet age, we've really like this is this is for a lot of our new listeners, of course, that weren't <laughs> members of the original maybe next year zine. <laughs> <laughs> I worry I accidentally taped over that podcast with a Wilco show. Yeah, right. You know, it's like it's, halfway through, you're going, and I think, and then it's a Wilco <laughs> song, which I can't think of any Wilco songs, but I can think of some albums. And I'm not inviting Paul to go down a Wilco. No, we actually got, <laughs> like, we got shit to, to stop. We got shit to talk about today. I could feel Paul going like, should I sing a little Wilco? No, Paul, you shouldn't. Because <laughs> I, I said, season is a month away, guys. Exactly. I'll save it for that. Right. Uh, I said they won the game. Did they win the game? Because it, <laughs> it it didn't feel like they won the game while we watched it. Um, there were definite like moments uh, that were like, look, they they got they got completely outplayed in the first half, even though they were winning at the end of the first half. And then Indianapolis, you know, technically won the second half by a point. But I don't know. Like, there's a lot to unpack in this game. It certainly wasn't the skate in the park that we were all used to uh, over the last month that we had grown used to. And, you know, against decent, you know, decent to mediocre teams and Miami by many accounts was an, a good team. Um, it's playoff football. I'm going to go to Scott first because Scott, uh, you technically finished the game last because of the feed and it's traveled in <laughs> like three seconds. Yes. So I, I know that you haven't had as much time to prepare for me and, <laughs> as me and Paul in those three seconds, but I still am going to rush you anyway into to talking about this game. You son of a bitch. Um, yeah, no, I mean, so one thing that I'll briefly say about the kind of the end up ending margin of victory is I think we are a little bit spoiled. And I think, um, you know, the, the explosive kind of, point totals that we've seen the bills put up over the last several weeks i didn't get a chance to do the research myself but in thinking about it a lot of those were the result of either defensive scores turnovers or special teams touchdowns and i feel like those are the difference between like a 35 point game and like a 42 point game or a 50 point game and i feel like we're gonna have it's going to be less likely that we are going to be able to turn guys over multiple times and get those short fields that that turn into really easy, quick scores uh, when we get to playoff time. So I think we all need to kind of come in and come in with a little more reasonable expectation for some of this stuff. Um, that said, certainly the team played well enough to win. Um, I think a lot of the as evidenced by their winning as evidenced by their winning. <laughs> Um, well, I, I, I bring that I'm up just only because I'm just teasing. Yes, please. Because there, I feel like most of the discussion of this game in the uh, ethereal NFL world, you yes. know, kind of chatterbox has been, did the Colts blow it? How could Reich be such an idiot? No, Reich wasn't an idiot. They just, they just, you know, he made the correct decisions. They just didn't execute. And that is a little frustrating as a Bills fan to be like, well, we did score 27 points and we didn't stop them. 
on those plays, like the Pittman play that everyone kind of focuses on is like, oh, he missed it by a couple inches. And it's like, well, yeah, because Rivers was getting hounded by two Bills defenders as he fell backwards on his back foot and tried to loft it into a, a fade route into the end zone on his third receiver. Like that was not an easy play to make and they were put into a difficult position by a Bills defense that certainly did not play the best um, that we've seen them play on Sunday, but played pretty well against a pretty good offense. And, um, you know, I was, I was worried about this game. I, I, I mean, I'm going to be worried about all the games um, until <laughs> probably, spoiler. honestly, I was, I was thinking about this until I get to the AFC championship game. If we play, if we play Kansas city in the AFC championship game, I'm actually probably not going to worry about that. Because at that point, it's house money, house we're money, yep. dogs, whatever. Like, you know, we, we okay. win, great, we're going to the Super Bowl. If we don't, like, whatever. Like, That's, Mahomes might be that guy. Let me let me comment on that quickly because I was worried about asking that question about whether, you know, now that they've won a game, and, and Paul, you should start with this, whether it, it felt different. Like, okay, like if they, if they lose to Baltimore, and we're not talking about that yet, but if they were to, would you still feel like, you know, okay, well, they've they got over the win a playoff game. It certainly wasn't like a waste of a season. Um, but maybe you feel differently because it sounds like Scott's holding out for the championship game to sort of roast those. But give give us your initial thoughts on the game, and we're certainly going to take another another round on the game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if you would ask me that question, Frank, in September, I would have said, yeah, they 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 should have they should win a playoff game. Then after that, after that, it should be house money. But the way this season went, I am with with Scott. I really feel like you they they've just played so well the second half of the season. They have looked like one of the league's top four teams Mm -hmm. and certainly one of the two best teams in the AFC, as their seeding indicates. We have seen years of a team that has either been mediocre or underperformed expectations or underperformed mediocre expectations. <laughs> and yet this team has felt different, uh, to use Frank's terminology about feeling different than other teams have. And so, yeah, it would be absolutely a disappointment for me if they didn't win at least one more big game here and go on to Baltimore. And Scott had some really good points on the game, and I'll echo those before we uh, go to Frank and the rotation here. A uh, great point about being spoiled with some of the blowout victories and benefiting from Defensive and special teams TDs as well. Some really good field position in those games, which was the opposite of this week where the Bills average drive start was their own eight yard line in the first half. And it was their own 15 yard line for the game. Uh, it's, you know, the, the, the Colts got into Bills territory every single possession except the kneel down at the end of the mm-hmm. first half. The Bills end up winning with the largest field position discrepancy to win a playoff game since the Panthers beat the Eagles in the early 2000s in a in the NFC title game. So it, that they really had to overcome. And as is, is Scott emphasized, they still, despite that, put up 27 points without the benefit of a turnover or good field position or anything. That was offensive drives getting you 27 points. And Tyler Bass coming through with yet another record. For the, not just for the team, but for the league, for a rookie kicker with distance. Um, and yeah, I agree with Fred, with uh, Scott, too, that Reich, I don't think, was an idiot. I didn't agree with the fourth and goal uh, call from the four-yard line, but it was a decent call, and the play was there to be made. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if Rivers throws a better ball, uh, that that play is made, and it's a far different outlook for the rest of that that game. And and I, I agreed with the two-point conversion decision, which Frank disagreed with, and that's fine, but that being a totally non, 
it affected the game zero because immediately the Colts went for two the next time and got, which was the equivalent of two extra points. So I think the Bills played a very good game. I agree with Scott that every game is probably going to be like this from here on out. There are no gimmies at this point in a season. And so I will stop there. I think that's fair. And, and to be fair to you, I went and read about the two point conversion stuff. And so I understand where you're coming from now. Um, because, you know, you're not an idiot, Paul. So when we were talking about that, I said, well, I should take that seriously. If <laughs> if Paul is into that, then I should I should have some sort of feeling about that. OK, um, I, I this is good, because I think what I'll do is I'll talk about how I think that and this will lead us into more substantive talking about the game. Um, the, the, the bills in this game, um, it didn't feel as impressive as we as we've said. But I do think upon reflection, I think this is one of the things where it really behooves us that we have a day or two after the game before we end up recording most weeks. Um, because I, in in looking at this game, I, I do think that Indianapolis played about the best game they can play. I think it was very clear that they were playing the we are going to keep the ball out of Buffalo's hands and hope to be there at the end of the game. And that game plan worked. I think Frank Reich did cost them points. I don't think he had a perfect game, but I think that the overall game plan was excellent. And they were there at the end. And really, um, you know, if it's so not this 33 yard field goal and it would have been, a, you know, three points right, right there. Three points are right there, going for three points at on fourth and whatever. Uh, to me, the biggest crime was punting on the positive side of the field at fourth and three, like, because to me it was it was laughable in the sense that, you know, like you don't even think about that as a Bills person now. Like, you know, fourth and five, you 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 think about. I feel like as fans, we we know when they're going to snap the ball and not, and so it really surprised me that that one Colts guy like was the only guy in the stadium yeah. that didn't realize that like that the Bills weren't going to snap the ball. But um, but to me, the other thing I wanted to say about this was I don't know that Buffalo I, – I think it's fair to say Buffalo didn't play their best game. But I think if you look at that game and how they were challenged, they rose to the specific challenge that Indianapolis was presenting them. And so, yeah, like if one or two things – breaks the right way for Buffalo, this game might get out of hand and they might blow them out. And it might, you know, if one or two things go the other way, you might have Cleveland Pittsburgh. But to me, um, this was Buffalo answering the bell against a team that was prepared and played well and professional and really was ready to beat Buffalo in the way that they could. It ultimately, to me, boils down to Philip Rivers had a great day, but what Philip Rivers does isn't enough and it's this anymore he had a true like it, it's remarkable to me that like he had like a completion percentage in like the 50 or 60 percent because i felt like he was completing passes all day um and it's also remarkable to me that like um alan had a 70 something completion percentage because to me i felt like he was frustrated all day um yeah. the other thing that i'll say is there's been a lot of heat on dable and I will I want to split the baby on this because it's clear that Allen is in charge of the plays. Brian Dable is doing the play scheme and he's setting it up and he's sending the original plays in, I am sure. But Allen clearly has the ability to check out of anything. And they went through the progression on one where Allen was in something, 
checked out of it and then checked back into it based on the look he was getting. So the two times that like they ran for it on first, second and third down, super fucking frustrating. Right. But on, at the same token, like I'm not going to pin that on Dable necessarily. That's clearly a, a collective offensive decision being made. Um, to me, Allen looked a little tight at times and I am hopeful that like he's gotten his, his, his jitters out of the way now, right? Like this was it. He still had a great game. I think it's awesome. And I'm going to turn it back over to, uh, we'll snake draft. We'll go to Paul and then to Scott. Um, and I'll, I'll leave on this. I think it's great that to me, Allen looked frustrated and Allen looked jittery at times. And he still finished with two touchdowns, more than 300 yards passing and a third one rushing. And so, and, and, and that Diggs and, and Beasley and some and Brown, guys who have been banged up and whatnot, like, you know, they showed up, but like Allen was still able really, frankly, even though I'm frustrated with him, I think it's undeniable. He carried them to victory. There's nothing else that makes sense. Paul, do you disagree or go from there and feel free to talk about the specifics of this game that you, 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 you care to. Yeah, I'll, I'll go from there. And you were right. I, I agree that he was, he was jittery for a lot of this game, but his jittery 2020 is a bit better than his jittery 2019 was by a mile. And I feel like this team also got a monkey lifted off the back. And what I really noticed was McDermott's celebration when Hyde batted down the Hail Mary and he just pointed his his hands to the heavens and let out a, a cheer. And he was 0-2 in playoff games. This yeah. team, granted, those two teams were underdogs. This was not an under. This was the heaviest favorite in week in in the the super wild card weekend, I believe maybe Tampa Bay over Washington was slightly more, but they were a big favorite in this game and they had to win by the skin of their teeth. But they got it done, and yeah, the the specifics of the game, we I think we all felt they were running too much and they were running Allen too much. Yes, the way the Colts were lining up was making them do that, but I felt the Colts did. I think Frank had mentioned Reich's game planning, I thought was exceptional. This was the way that the Colts were going to keep in the game was by daring Allen to run the ball on defense and daring the Bills to run the ball generally and on offense by trying to break out some big runs. They got some big 20 plus yard runs and having Phillip Rivers be efficient and all of those things happen and the Bills still won and Allen still put up over 300 yards, which is a sign of just how talented this team is. And I do hope that means that they have worked out the jitters. The defense had some struggles, which I'm sure we'll get into more when we talk about the upcoming opponent with the Ravens. Uh, I'd alluded to these struggles in the running game. That's going to be a problem. These are two good backs that Indianapolis has. Uh, If you count Lamar Jackson as a back, a quarterback who can run, that is three good backs that they're about to deal with in the Ravens. And you can, one thing of note, we noted last season that they did an exceptional job of, of stopping the Ravens run game the highest graded players from that game, according to uh, Thad Brown and uh, one of the Buffalo media members, were Stardler DeLaley, Shaq Lawson, and Lorenzo Alexander. So those guys aren't going to help uh, come next week. So whatever struggles they had in the run game that reared their ugly head this week after seemingly being good for a while, they'll need to wrap up uh, by this weekend. But I think one thing we haven't talked about, which I should mention at least, that 96-yard drive at the end of the half, what a game-changer that was to stop mm. them on fourth and then they go downfield and take the lead in a half where as Frank noted, you were just completely, you were, the, you were not the better team. The Colts were the better team. The first half that you escape with the lead Gabe Davis on a day when John Brown had four targets and zero catches with one drop, 
makes several tiptoe catches. Saved the day. Yeah. Saved the day. (laughs) The fact that we're this far into the pies and I'm talking about Gabriel Davis's uh, tiptoe efforts is, is unreal because he just... That drive, especially after and that was after a digs drop that toe tap along the sideline. They were about to be third and goal from the four with the Colts with an allotment of timeouts and about to be punting from inside their 10 after they already had two, three and outs on their first three drives. So mm-hmm. Gabriel Davis does save the day as, as Frank notes. And in the, the second half, I thought it was a much better performance uh, on offense. Certainly, I think the defense had their struggles, as I mentioned, against the, the run and also on allowing third downs, which is something the defense is even when they were not doing well, wasn't really struggling with that much this year. So that's something to pick up. But, you know, since we're going, you know, snake round, I will uh, I will end the way that I, I began, which is I expect this to just be what playoff games are going to be like. Yeah, I mean, I think a couple minor things that I wanted to hit just briefly. Um, so, you know, and, and not only, I mean, talking about the Bills defense, I was, you know, it's complicated, right? Because they gave up 24, which is, in general, like, with this offense, with, so that's the thing. It's like, it, it all depends on your frame of perspective. Like, with the Bills offense, 24 should be enough to win the game. With right. the amount of money that we have spent on the defensive line, they should be doing better than 24 points in a playoff <laughs> game. Um, when you consider the fact that they held Jonathan Taylor, who I think – you know, Paul Paul's correct that Naheem Hines had a couple big runs. He was able to break off. Taylor got one for 20. But if you take out that one for 20 for Taylor, he had 20 for 58, 20 carries for 58 yards. Just less than three a carry. Right. Three so great quarters did, in the run defense, by the way. I should have uh, 20 carries for 61 yards through three quarters for Indy. So yeah, good job, they, three quarters by the run defense. And and that's the thing is they, they did a good job against the run defense, and they were kind of making Phil Rivers beat them, which I guess is probably what the defensive plan was going in, and that was correct. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact that when you got into, in some ways they were, um, they weren't successful enough at that to put the game away, which you know maybe we wouldn't have maybe just because of the the way the offense was playing, which is a separate issue. Mm-hmm. But um, when the Colts and credit to Reich that they were able to do this, they completely changed their offense the last quarter. Um, they did. You know they had as as Frank was saying they they played suck the air out of the ball. You know, sit on it, run, 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 you know, take the little short passes to convert third downs. But otherwise, you know, don't don't try and uh, get crazy or gamble or anything. And then in the fourth quarter, they just say, well, we're down. <laughs> we're down. Two right. scores now. We got to play. <laughs> and bang, bang, bang. They score two touchdowns in what, like two two minute drives, basically. Yeah, yep. a, a two minute, 45 second drive and a three and a half minute drive to score. And two it was it was. And that and that was the thing that's frustrating for the defense. Because that's the one thing that they have to be able to do is slam the door when the offense gets up. And they weren't able to really do it. They got – they did they, they did technically do it. So I maybe I'm, I'm being a jerk by saying, well, they didn't well, do it. Well, no, but, but like, they're up two scores in the fourth, exactly like you say. And, you know, they, they don't – it doesn't end um, – And the Colts end with a chance to win the game still. Right. Like they're within – they're within um, – they're within a, 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 a one field good goal pass tied. or, uh, you know, a, a referee's call from kicking a field goal to at least tie it. So anyway, sorry. And it's, and it's, yeah, so it's it's definitely it was frustrating for the defense. Um, we will come back to it's, uh, throughout the t- uh, the pod. We'll come back to the tight end problem. That was something that was just horrific to watch. It seemed like a, a bunch of no name 
tight ends for the Colts, Mo Alley Cox, uh, Trey Burton, and Jack Doyle. Doyle, yeah, Doyle. Um, like I've, I'd never heard, of, I'd heard of Jack Doyle, but that was about the yeah. extent of my knowledge of Jack Doyle. Trey I'd Burton heard of, bought the Philly special. We figured that out mm-hmm. thanks to the coverage. <laughs> I um, heard of but, Jack Doyle, but he might have just been a local Irish tough at a bar. <laughs> Was he right. the guy who shot Lee Harvey Oswald? That, was, that, Jack that was Jack Ruby. Damn. Yeah, okay. Jack. But do we know where Jack Doyle was on that day? No, I, to be fair. Well, he Jack wasn't born Doyle... for about 26 years after that. No. But Jack still. Doyle has never committed that he didn't. He has never said publicly that he didn't kill Lee Harvey I, Oswald. I agree. So. He can't prove that he didn't. Um, exactly. Much like proving negative, he can't do that. Um, Fabulous. So, but more importantly, seven catches for 70 yards and a touchdown for Doyle. Three catches for 34 yards for Burton, um, and four catches uh, for 32 yards for Moali Cox. So, and I believe only, those, by the way, and I'll double check this. But I believe those were season highs for all of those guys. I I wouldn't be surprised at all. And it was on. They were only two incompletions when throwing to the tight ends on the what looks like the 16 targets they had. So that's terrible. And with the amount of um, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, pro bowler, Matt Milano, very good player, should be a pro bowler, but they didn't they didn't play that well on uh, on the pass coverage uh, against the tight ends on Sunday. And, and that's a, or Saturday. And that's a little concerning going into um, next week's games. Um, I think other than that. Yeah, I think Paul hit all the rest of the points. I think the only th- other thing I would say, and we've all sort of danced around it because we've talked about how disappointing aspects of the game are but i think i just want to reiterate that i do think that like it's the playoffs the only bad team was probably pittsburgh and y- you know like in the afc anyway <laughs> well you know like even washington, even washington. yeah they said, i, I was washington played well i and heineke was chicago's a surprise. Ter- like chicago's kind of terrible but like yeah. like you know like that was just a horrible game period <laughs> um and, uh, you know, and I didn't even have the benefit of really watching it on Nickelodeon. But what I wanted to get what I wanted, I don't want to get distracted. Is I want to say, like, you know, Philip Rivers, what he did was like the best Philip Rivers game you can come up with. He gets the ball out fast. He doesn't turn it over. He, he that's exactly what he did. He gave his team a chance. And, you know, so, so hats off to them. They they did a great job. And I think that, like, they're going to be a good football team. If they get somebody like Deshaun Watson on their team, look the fuck out. Pardon my language, but like they're going to be a really good football team. They're they're a decent quarterback away from from being a, like like a like a just a like a smack you in the face team. And so, congrats to them on a on really a good season. Frank Reich two years in a row, um, you know, one without Andrew Luck did a very nice job. My family. Um, you know, my wife's family, all from Indianapolis. I'm, oh, my father-in-law passed away this year. He, he, he's a really, he was a really great guy. I loved him. And he would have lived for this because he was a, such a Colts fan. And it was great because my wife is a Colts fan, but she's really sort of gravitated towards the Bills. But I thought about a lot him during the game, that we would have had a lot of fun teasing each other um, and being happy for each other. And uh, so to me, Indianapolis always has a special place uh, in my heart, and I'm really glad they have a good football team, and I'm even more glad that Buffalo has a better football team. So, uh, with that, I think we should get to three stars. Um, yep. I'm interested because this was a close enough game that we might have our first 
non-Bill in the top three, yeah. possibly. Um, yeah, I think in about least, three or four weeks, yeah. Uh, like, I was going to say, at least we have a chance this week. We really haven't that, – that hasn't even been a consideration in many weeks, but I, we got a chance here, so I'm excited to hear what, what Scott has for us. Yes, no, we'll have uh, – we'll have. there's a lot of – I mean, there's a lot of – there's a good game. A lot of people, again, regular people out there enjoyed the game. There was a lot of good performances. There wasn't a lot of huge – like terrible play on both sides. Right. One of the games where it's terrible because both teams, it's close because both teams are playing poorly. It's close because both teams are playing well. They were, I would say, fairly evenly matched. I think the Bills are still a better team. But mm-hmm. yeah, again, this is, uh, you know, as Frank likes to say, you know, the Bills probably win six out of four of these, maybe, or yep. seven out of three, but not, it's not, it's not 10 out of 10 that we're going to beat these guys. Um, no. So anyway, the, the tight ends for the Colts, uh, you know, as I, as I said, uh, had a nice game. Wally Cox, Trey Burton, Jack Doyle. Um, I did their stats already, so we'll, we'll come back. We won't bother with them anymore. Uh, we'll give an we'll give an honorary one to Zach Moss, who we'll come back to. Um, not his best game, but given this is the last we'll be seeing him for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eleven touches for uh, 47 yards, um, but yeah, that's a tough break, uh, obviously, and we don't know exactly what the injury is, but it sounds like a break to me. Um, we'll come back to that. Then um, let's see, guys. Other honorable mentions: Cole Beasley. Um, a huge gamer, obviously clearly not a hundred percent at all. Um, really just going out and, you know, turn around and I'll throw it to you. And that's basically what he was limited to. It seemed like on a lot of those plays. Um, but he was a complete gamer to, to gut it out for, um, you know, caught all of his seven targets for 57 yards. Um, I give another honorable mention to, uh, Stefan Diggs, not a star, six catches for 128 yards and the one touchdown. Um, Certainly did his second half thing where he comes alive. We also decided to start throwing to him the ball to him on short and intermediate routes, which we sometimes forget we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, a little frustrating, so it would be nice to see him get some of those earlier on when we're having trouble getting started on things. Right. But we're certainly there uh, in the in the second half. Uh, Micah Hyde gets one for the uh, the tomahawk spike of the uh, of the uh, <laughs> final play. Emotional redemption, right? Like let's take us let's all take a second on that. Sorry. Like how you know it it comes down to a a hail mary and uh the, those of you on Twitter saw the picture my wife posted of me in the fetal position <laughs> right before that and then you know he gets it so I mean a nice little bit of storytelling there that he gets to sort of redeem himself yeah um let's see and then uh, we can go to uh, Daryl Williams obviously yeah. Hugely another tremendous the day player. Yes. Again, another one of those little breaks in the game where if you're the Colts, you're playing, you just got enough of those to to have that turn around because if the if the Bills aren't able to bleed off, you know, another minute there, that's a different that's a different last three minutes uh compared to mm-hmm. the last two minutes. Uh if Daryl Williams doesn't fall on that ball and the Colts are already, you know, inside Bill's territory at that point. Um so Daryl Williams gets one um you know uh, i think i'll i think i'll call it there for the honorable mentions um we can get into the third the, the official third star formal part of our presentation uh gabe davis with the third star yes four catches, 85 yards on the four targets uh, but really you know it's it's not as it, it's really the both the athleticism and the awareness to make those plays again like we've always said you know awareness beyond his years um, a great, a great player um, in the making. A great, you know, arguably a really good player right now. But the two huge catches, 
to stay in bounds when the Bills really needed those two drives that excuse me those two catches to keep that drive going before the half and um obviously you know two more catches beyond that but but uh but Davis had you know that drive was really critical for the Bills going into halftime to have them have some confidence and let them come out strong uh following that um then in the second slot we are going to potentially in his last NFL game Philip Rivers wow okay good he deserves it two touchdowns a QBR of 91.9 um you know, um, I'm sure excellent there was some to, Not to jump in, but, like, excellent decision-making all game by Rivers. I, like, quick Absolutely. decisions did exactly what he, he had to do and was capable of doing. Yeah. Kept, um, you know, again, kept the $100 million line um, from Buffalo at bay uh, yet again um, and was able to kind of continue to distribute. Um, as, we, as I mentioned, already, you know, hitting tight ends three deep, you know, Looks like eight different Colts caught a pass on Sunday, which is obviously pretty good. Pretty good distribution of the offense. Um, he had them in a position to win late. Obviously, doesn't quite have quite the arm strength that he used to, but I'm not really going to hold that against him. Um, but really, you know, I don't. You know, yeah, he he might have been able to do a little bit more, but on some level, um, that was about as good as he was going to give you. And it was a good game. I don't want to say it was good enough to win. It wasn't. Um, but it, it was it was pretty darn close, and a couple yeah. two three things um, again would have been right there for him. Um, he reminds but, me, sorry, yeah. he reminds me of a an excellent brave pitchers like Tom Glavin who like <laughs> reinvented how he threw the baseball um, in the age the latter part of his career, be, and and you know had another five or six years of great baseball. So you know I wanted to shout out a brave if I could. Absolutely. No, I'll take I'll take the all the props <laughs> to uh, the great lefty from the uh, 90s Atlanta Braves. Absolutely. Um, so uh, then, uh, yeah, your first star goes to Josh Allen, 26 to 35, 324, two touchdowns, um, did take two sacks for it says two sacks for 23 yards. I think that was one sack and one 23 yard sack, unfortunately, <laughs> yes. um, which was not, um, you know, it's tough because he's made so many of them. That you kind of want to say that he can, he can, he can, uh, you know, he, he gets a little credit, he gets a little willingness to live with some of those. But boy, in the in the in the fourth quarter, when you're when you're really just trying to kill the clock, maybe you want to just kind of take the easy way out on some of those. Um, but anyway, you know, he 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 made more than enough plays to make up for it. Obviously, they won the game. The great throw to Knox on the first touchdown. The ridiculous throws to Davis. Um, the the bomb to Diggs, um, you know, a lot of runs um, either called for him or called by him. I'm not a, you know, as I mentioned to the guys on Sunday, I really think that needs to be more of a changeup than a fastball. Like we shouldn't be running yeah. the running the offense. Um, if you want to run the offense through Josh Allen, that's fine, but that means him throwing it, not him, you know, taking 11, you know, 11 carries a game in addition to two sacks is, you know, probably more than he needs to get hit in the average game. And I get it's the playoffs. We'll do what we need to do. But mm-hmm. at the same time, um, it's not it is more effective as a play. It is more efficient when it's a surprise, when he catches guys napping, when they're not seeing him coming from a mile away, because then he just turns into Jerome Bettis. And Jerome Bettis was certainly a good NFL running back, but he, you know, was not uh, was not the quarterback. You know, he was not the guy who the old offense ran through on the passing side as well. So um, but regardless, a great game from Allen uh, and he's your first star. 
Thank you so much uh, once again, and I am so excited we get another three. This will be the most stars we've ever given out in a season mm-hmm. because de facto we have an 18th game coming up, uh, which we will talk about more. Um, uh, W's for Josh Allen, LJ, and BM. Help me, Paul. Oh, that's uh, sorry. I This is me having to abbreviate. Wins for Josh, Lamar, and Baker. So now th- all three yes. of the acclaimed quarterbacks from the 2018 or three of the quarterbacks from the acclaimed 2018 draft class all got their first playoff wins this weekend. Three of the five, and to their credit, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen probably both watched all three of those <laughs> games. So a perfect five for five for them. We wanted to talk about Wild Card Weekend. Um, you know, I'd like to focus on the AFC. I think that, you know, Cleveland and Pitt, Baltimore and Tennessee, I mean, it—, it if if Frank Reich made a few questionable decisions, I think I think Mike Vrabel is directly <laughs> responsible for the Titans losing to the I mean, like, he's just a fuck up. And I have a friend who's a Titans fan. And like she was so mad and she was just like, you know, wanting to throw things. And her husband is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And so not a great weekend in her household. Um, <laughs> that game was sort of like I, I look at that game. And I think about I think Pittsburgh was probably still the better team. They just like completely shit the bed in the first 10 minutes and like never really. Because, you know, it ends up being like a like a two score game instead of a four score game. Um, so I I come away like thoroughly disappointed that we don't get to play Pittsburgh because they clearly were right for the picking. Um but Paul, you haven't spoken in a while. Why don't you give us your thoughts on the wild card weekend, and then we will move on to some of the other news. Yeah, they're they're shitting the bed, and then there is nonstop continuous diarrhea of the bed, which is yeah. essentially what the Steelers did for the first ten minutes of that game to put it out of reach by that point. And then they had a uh, Tomlin mm-hmm. made a Vrabel-esque decision to punt on fourth and two down twelve, I think at that point, yeah. or eleven at that point, maybe in. Uh, Brown's territory, but I, as much as the Steelers crept out, I kind of feel like they, I don't mean to, I don't, I, I don't like to use the word fraudulent too publicly on, on this sort of thing, but they were not to, to look at that team and think they were 11 and 0 at any point over watching them over the last month. Remind me of the late eighties dolphin teams. It would start like nine and three and inevitably finish nine and seven or something like that. So I, I'm glad they're out. I'm also glad this is all talk about the NFC, but I'm glad Washington and the Bears are out because even though Washington played well and the Bears played as well as the Bears can play, I feel like we've got the eight teams that deserve to be alive at this point in the postseason. So credit credit to the Browns. I don't want to take anything away from them. They were down a head coach and half of their defense, and they proceeded to force what four turnovers in the first half, including three on the first four drives, mm-hmm. and just totally did exactly what they had to do to win that game. So props to Cleveland for really a great effort. They got a 26-year-old monkey off the back with their playoff win. Baltimore-Tennessee, yeah, this was this was one of those games when it, I was watching it, and I'm sure you guys probably felt the same way when watching it. It's like, these are both teams that they're, they pose some matchup problems for the Bills, but I looked at them and thought, this is neither one really impressed me offensively as much as I expected to be because we watched Tennessee dominate Buffalo earlier this year. So I had that impression. And as we were talking about uh, on uh, via text afterwards, you know, the Ravens were a team that rushed for over 3000 yards, but had really a, a dynamic 
a Lamar Jackson play where Scott said something like, yeah, he's fast. Like he, he was just gone. He got, he got the ball. He scrambled past the 50, got past one guy at the third 40. And then I don't think anyone got within five yards of him until he'd already gotten to the goal line. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a problem. But just to see some of the head coaching calls, especially Vrabel as Frank referenced and what was made in the, you know, with his punts and just general game planning and being the first coach to uh, blow a 10, 10 point lead to the Ravens uh, under Lamar Jackson, which no one had ever been done before because they're not built to play from behind. Like it just makes me glad for Sean McDermott every day uh, that we seem to have someone who knows what he's doing in those situations. And yeah, the NFC games, the Rams one was the entertaining one. That was, that was fun to watch. Good for them. And uh, yeah. That was the one I didn't see any minutes of was the Rams game. I missed uh, most of that too. Cause I had church and I didn't see the only one I barely watched was Chicago, New Orleans, because that was, I knew that would be crappy. So I took the four mile walk. Nice. That was the one I had time for. Go ahead, Paul. Sorry, Scott. I did. Uh, yeah. I watched Baltimore, uh, Tennessee, like a little bit while, you know, sometimes while it was live and then, and then I watched it again, you know, in the lead up to this, uh, in shortened format, I think, yeah, I mean, I think, that was a game where I think both teams felt like they, they weren't playing as well as they wanted to. Um, I think, I think obviously Tennessee had to be really disappointed with how poorly they were running the ball with Henry. Mm -hmm. Obviously Baltimore knew exactly what they needed to do to win that game, which was slow him to a crawl, which they did. And, you know, make Tannehill beat them, you know, but I think they assumed that they'd be scoring more points while they did it. And, as a result, that's why the game was still coming down to the end. Um, Baltimore still definitely had to be um, concerned about their uh, offensive production. You know, yeah, uh, Jackson had, you know, a fantastic kind of 50-yard run. He had another kind of good, solid 25, 30-yarder. But they had, if I'm not mistaken, two – yeah, it was two touchdown drives. Two. And they kicked two field goals. And I think that was it. That's hmm. not normally going to be enough. And again, they're a better, you know, they built their identity to be more kind of defensive focused. But, you know, the Bills are going to try and turn this game into a shootout, shootout this weekend. It's going to be real interesting. I will talk more about the game when we get to that later. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and then Cleveland. I mean, I think that's the thing with Cleveland. Like, we'll see what happens, obviously, with them in Kansas City. I, I, I don't expect they're going to get away with um, have that kind of success against Kansas City. But they certainly um, they have a lot of talent in Kansas City. There's a lot of guys who have a lot of talent, guys who are NFL vets who played a lot of years as well as young guys. Um, they've never really seemed like they put it all together. If they put it together, they could be a fairly dangerous team. And I think that Pittsburgh, defying all logic and the lack of practice time, they put it together on Sunday. Um, so we'll, we'll see if they're able to do it you know, two more times and get to the Super Bowl. I, I, I don't think that they will, but um, yeah, that's, that's all I'll, I'll save everything else for later. Do you think, do you think that there is now a strong argument to never practice or have a head coach? That's certainly, <laughs> certainly the, the, do you think the players union is like putting that together right now. <laughs> the, the, there's certainly one uh, piece of evidence available to support that contention. I, I don't I think I mean, that you couple that with the, the Titans game and they also didn't practice basically <laughs> for a week and a half like, before the bills. And, you know, yeah. they, sometimes it, it's, it seems, uh, work right? You don't have to be good. I mean, you don't have to practice. You just have to be good. That's all. Yeah. Um, the bills signed Defonta Freeman, uh, a running back to the 
the team. I don't think it was specifically. It was, yeah, the, pract- it was practice squad. That's but what I, ran, I was. Doing. I ran out of space there, as you can see. That Freeman goes right up to the column, and I didn't want to. I had to take off the PS I had after it. Paul is very, very um, concerned about how the spacing on our agenda. Shambles of a job on this. Right, I'll, give, like, you, I'll give you. I'll give our listeners one clue as to which of our three podcasters has been diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. <laughs> it may ride love, with Ball. It might. It might. Um, and we're here to, you know, make you count all the odd numbered, uh, things. Just drop some paper clips. Sorry. It's just going <laughs> to drop. Some... No, we love you, Paul. We're glad that you, ha- you're on the team. Um, yes, he was signed to the practice squad because of course, Zach Moss, uh, did something to his ankle. We don't have a specific answer as to what that was. And I'm going to roll that into the, the injury report because the injury report is otherwise exactly what you'd expect it to be. Gerald Johnson, knee limited. I think that's new, didn't practice, but he was playing at the end of the game. There's no sense that, like, it's a concern. Uh, Diggs, Beasley, and Beasley uh, previously were, you know, injured. They both played. You'd expect them to play again on Saturday night. Um, Edmonds also with a hamstring. Oliver um, and Zimmer, all those guys were limited, so still moving. Uh, all there's no indication that they wouldn't play. It's it's mostly the loss of Zach Moss that that would be concerning. But as I had I had talked with the guys a little bit this week, I thought like, well, maybe good because we shouldn't be throwing the we shouldn't be running the ball all that much anyway. If there if there's something that was remarkably telling like annoying and and we touched on it earlier was like. God, it like the the it was way too balanced the the, the run to pass ratio like there should have been more passing there should have been more intermediate passing and maybe that will push them into it that said you never want to lose a guy Zach Moss ab- obviously has his contributions and Paul I'll let you take it over you'd mentioned he's the star at the end of the game yeah he's uh once you get in that there were two games this year uh, right toward the end of the season including the one against the Steelers where they had a seven plus minute drive the longest ever against the Steelers in the in decades since they've recorded this information that he was able to essentially run out the clock. And that was all Moss pretty much in a couple Allen passes. And then he did again, a few weeks later, later, I think it was the chargers. And he is someone who I like because he's shown at the end of the game, when you just need to get in that four minute offense, he can help you run that clock down. He is a tough runner. He is, he might not be a guy who's going to burst through for 10, 15 yards, but he will pick up that three to six yards you you may need in those situations, and that that could be a, a key when when they're trying to run out games the rest of the season. And you hope guys like whether it's Antonio Williams, whether it's T.J. Yeldon, whether it is Devonta Freeman, uh, who steps in as the the backup Singletary next week, that player is going to get some some reps in this game. You have to hope they pass protect well. And, you know, if let's face though, the person who puts the most pressure on has got to be Devin Singletary, I would I would think on the because he's got and Sean McDermott said that he's he told Singletary this is the time to step up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other injuries, just quickly, Daryl Johnson, if he doesn't go, you're going to have Trent Murphy in there. He's not a bad run defender, uh, not as great a pass rusher as he he once was. And so that could be concerning. Then the other guys who are limited, I I have no concerns about any of them playing or not, but I definitely have to worry about their effectiveness, as, as Scott mentioned with Beasley, just really gutting it out that game. He could barely walk, but he was still running his patterns and making his catches. So we'll see how that ends up playing out. Um, in terms of the, the running back situation, I'll, I'll just go into that. If TJ Yeldon can't get on the field now, what? Is, why, did he, <laughs> why is he here? Yeah. Why, like, yeah, like 
He's a veteran running back with <laughs> NFL uh, playoff experience, if I'm not. Oh, yeah. Uh, he he, was against, he played against the Bills uh, was, in Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and has, you know, been around a while. I, you know, I understand, you know, maybe we're, uh, you know, we like Singletary and Moss better. They're cheaper. Um, they got more yards on them. But, like, what? why was he on the – like, the, the whole thing is kind of, I mean, inactive for a lot of games. Like, does he not know the playbook? Is he on, is he on the Jake Fromm plan where he's our – if the entire running back room gets COVID, this is the thing? I don't know. <laughs> it's very confusing to me. So I, I just – like he should really get on the field. Um, uh, let's let's let's. I mean, like Antonio Williams. Like if we want to suit him up as well, um, and and figure out the rest of the you know the forty eight man on 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 Saturday to to make sure that we're you know we, you know we meet we meet the numbers. You know that that makes sense too. Um, but like if Devontae Freeman is in this game uh, on on Saturday um, and not and not Yeldon, like he's taking up a roster spot for no reason. So it's a minor point, but one that I felt we had to make. So I think it's completely fair because, you know, he was signed two years ago and and, and some hay was made of it. And he has, you know, not shown up. And um, it's pretty remarkable. I think you'll see, you know, Singletary get most of it. It'll be more about the pass protection, I'm hoping, than anything else. But, like, I, I I think it would be strange if, if, it doesn't seem like a McDermott move to me to put in Williams, a rookie. Um, he, obviously, like he showed very well in, against Miami. Um, it's not that they wouldn't they would keep him out if he looked like the best guy, but my guess is they're going to look at at Singletary and say, yeah, he's he's been splitting carries all year. He can he can do it for a week or two. You know, it's crunched. Like this is the time now to do it. So um, I'm hopeful that that's the case, and then I'm also hopeful that. You know, the wide receivers, you know, feel a little bit better than they did last week. And they'll 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 continue to um, they'll continue to improve. Um, We wanted to mention without too much conversation, just, uh, you know, last week I was steadfastly annoyed, annoyed by anybody talking about Brian Dable getting interviews. But he's done a couple of interviews, including one with the Jets, who seemed to like create an entire graphic for the fact that they had interviewed him. Which was a little weird for me, because I and and Paul agreed that like we hadn't really seen that before. Um, I can't think of another team that's done that where they're like, oh yeah, like we interviewed this guy. Here's this whole graphic we've created with Brian Dayball's face. Um, he also interviewed with the Chargers on Sunday, uh, and then the other big news in regards to the offseason, it sounds like Josh Allen is getting a contract extension which by no means is a surprise given his play. Um, but if you have any brief comments on this, I'd love to hear them. He's going to get paid a lot of money. They um, both. Yeah. And, uh, and for Dayball, I'll just say briefly, like um, obviously I'd be great if he stayed. I, I can't, wouldn't hold him against him to move on. Um, and the, the social media, I mean, I think, you know, there's some uh, there's some cachet, I guess, to to, to winning the offseason. I think the Jets have done that probably a solid ten or twelve times in the last twenty years. Yeah, right. It hasn't really worked out too well for them. So, by all means, Jets, go ahead and get get excited about interviewing people. That's something you should do. 
Paul has nothing. So if Paul, are you there? Doesn't matter. I'm on anyway. mute. There we go. Oh. <laughs> so much better when I'm not on mute. Well, that's up for debate, but yes. Uh, uh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, the on the Jets interviewing situation, it looks like today they conducted their secondary with 49ers defense coordinator Robert Soleil. So mm-hmm. maybe that's a good sign that they're not going to lose Dable to the Jets. Uh, and the Jets are going to give up on their strategy of hiring offensive coaches within the division to try and turn their thing around. And yeah, and Alan, I'll just say what Scott said. He's, he's going to get paid and he's going to get paid by the Bills. And it'll be interesting to see. Uh, in the off season, maybe we can start talking about numbers and what we expect and how long and all that fun stuff. I'm just very glad that he's not like Deshaun Watson right now, who seems so upset with with Houston that you're going to lose this guy. You know, now, granted, he had already signed that their extension. So, like, I guess it's a little different. But to me, it's just it's nice that he clearly like likes being here. I don't know. I like that. Um, so good, good for everybody there. It's also the time for this day in Bill's headlines though. Although I suppose we could also go to fan. Yeah. Listener uh, questions. We could, we could do either or we've only got a couple. We've got uh, Jay's question, which I'm sure Scott is, is eager to address. And then Mark Ooh, also delete your account. He, he did. <laughs> oh no. Twitter deleted it. Oh wait, no, that was somebody else on Twitter this week. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Hey, hey oh. <laughs> that was a lot of other people as it turned out. Anyway, um, yeah, Paul, what, I'm going to ask you to do a lot because I have a little I have a couple like weird things going on in the house right now. So it'd be great if you did the questions and then got into this day in Bill's headlines when you're ready and I will be available to answer people. Sure, here we go. Uh, Frank on Twitter posted a uh, podcast, you know what to do. El Super replies, shelters in place. That is always a safe bet whenever we are podcasting. Especially in D.C. Yes, we yes. are. We are very. We got a lot. That's of, our deal right now. A lot of yeah. helicopters going on right now over uh, Scott Circle. Not thank you, thank you to this day in Bill's headlines, or sorry, this day in Bill's uh, Bill's and Beers, who very nicely gave us a, a "We're happy you're okay" shout out on the podcast this week. We are, we are happy we are okay too. Yes, we appreciate that. Yes. Uh, Mark Avretti said weather could be a huge factor in the game with a possibility of snow. The Bills may focus on the run game, having Williams and Freeman may be their time to shine. Thoughts. I also think Josh has the arm to throw in weather, so I don't see them abandoning that attack either. I would still think to answer first that I would expect the Bills to be pass heavy just on the strength of the Ravens uh, pass defense or run defense versus their pass defense. And the wind could be a factor because it could gust up to 24 miles an hour. I've also seen other weather reports say it's only in a gust up to 12. Mm-hmm. Either way, uh, channeling my inner Doug Whaley. This is why you get a guy like Josh Allen with a strong arm to, you know, deal with this Buffalo weather come playoff time. So I don't think they're going to lean on Williams or Freeman very heavily if they play or Yeldon, if he, if he's the choice, um, I think they're going to be full bore with the pass, but we'll see. Yeah. I, yeah. I, oh, go ahead. Let me just quickly say, I fully agree. I had to hear all about Josh Allen's big freaking hands. So now it's time for him to use his big hands. Um, okay. The, I think the, I think the, the concern for me is not so much Allen as it is everybody else. I think it's the concern of the wide receivers getting in and out of their breaks in a, uh, with the correct timing, with them catching the ball when it's like catching a giant rock being thrown at you, potentially, uh, sometimes not at the correct speed. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, 
but that said, it sounds like it's going to be mostly the early weather report I've heard is that it's 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 cold, but it's not precipitating. As long as it's just cold, I think that the receivers and everything can work as normal with the pass game. Uh, I think otherwise, you know, if it's if it's snowing and, and wet, then you get a little more concerned about traction and other things as well um, to where it, this turns into a different game. Um, and, and not one that the bills uh, work well. Off. So let's just all hope that the, the weather pans out accordingly. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has got, has said, and not that he's playing in this game, but he likes the snow games that he's played in, in Kansas city, the cold games, because the receivers know what, where they're going as opposed to, um, you know, our friends on the defense who have to anticipate. So he feels like yeah. it does work in their advantage. I guess he knows something about quarterbacking. Okay. I've, <laughs> But, but, you know, but everybody's different, too. That's the other thing. So, yes. Anyway. All right. And then the last question from Jay, he posted uh, initially a Deadpool gif. And then he also, or gif, or gif. Uh, and then he asked, did you did you all catch Allen's postgame interview day and night compared to after the last New England game? I get he wasn't completely happy with the performance, but hopefully he gets out of his head and goes out there and has some fun. I did. Uh, catch it. It's funny. I didn't catch it live, but I watched the replay uh, on Monday because I saw it in the background while I was on the phone with my parents at the time. And yeah, I just he I think he was annoyed with his performance. I'm not worried about his la- him having anything resembling a lack of confidence. I I think he was just thinking he left more out there than he, he felt he should have. And the game was fresh in his mind. And they just had to have the Tomahawk chopped down by Micah Hyde to seal that victory. And he was probably experiencing a little bit of relief there. That that was my assessment of it. I didn't see it, but I, I just am sort of in the position that, like, Josh Allen is beyond. Like, we don't ever have to worry about Josh Allen being down on himself and or feeling bad or the game being too big for him. Because I think he's shown that basically even if he doesn't get it like the first time, like let's say the Houston game, the next time around he seems to have it. So I'm, I'm fully okay with it. Uh, um, yet another kind of uh, pointless and relevant question from, from Jay. Um, I don't really want to waste any more words on it. Uh, I don't really care to analyze player press conferences. Doesn't seem like something that's going to add much value to my life or to those around me, or add any value to the podcast. So yeah, why, did, why does he hate you so much? I don't understand. I, it seems, <laughs> I mean, I, again, I don't know why, um, why is he so bad? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I just, yeah, it's fair. Okay, okay we should move on. Yeah. All right, so this day in Bill's headlines it is, yeah. today is January 12th. So we're going to run through, what, I get eight headlines? Yeah, eight headlines for this this week, a little abbreviated since we actually have substantive content. Um, I've vamped enough. So we're going to go way back again to 2020. For those of you who remember uh, what a joyous year that was uh, outside of football. Uh, Bills Mafia starts GoFundMe to pay blindside block fine for Bills offensive tackle blank. Blank says proceeds will go to charity. Deion Dawkins. Not Deion Dawkins. No, Cody Ford. Cody Ford. Yes, that is the correct answer. Uh, 2019, I have no quiz for that year, but there was a headline that said, Bill should ignore drama, try to acquire Steelers' Antonio Brown. Oh, how times have changed. Right. Uh, we, do have, we do have one headline I did pick out of 2019, though. Blank, and this is, a, this is, this is a, a gettable but a tougher one. Blank tried to make most of decreased role in 2018. On a personal level, I want to be on the field as much as I possibly can, Blank said. 
This year, I was not there as much as I've been in the past. I wish I could have been, but whatever my role is, is what it is, I'm going to stay out there and give it all I've got, and hopefully I can go out and make some plays. So I don't want to say the position because I feel like it might give it away, but I will say when he was released uh, with an injury settlement on September 8th of 2020, Bill's linebacker Tyrell Dodson tweeted, man, thank you for everything, dad, in quotes. You've helped me grow so much near, and you've helped me with being a man also. Love you, blank. But I will note it's not a linebacker either. Oh, well, then I was going to go right to a linebacker. <laughs> um, but think about where Tyrell Dodson plays when when he's in there. Um, you mean other than linebacker? Yes. Special teams. Special teams, yep. Okay. Veteran special teamer. I will say he was with the Bills from 2017 through 2019. He played all 48 games and both playoff games in those seasons. Uh, and he made a name for himself in Atlanta before he joined Buffalo. He was a captain his last two seasons with the, with the Bills hmm. on special teams. He's the type of guy, though, that, for example, you might not want to uh, throw a bomb to him, double double covered in overtime in a playoff game. Oh. Um, say in Houston, and I don't remember this <laughs> say, game already. Say, say in Houston, and... Yeah, this uh, guy, man, the disrespect for the fullback position, guys. Matt, uh, DeMarco? Patrick DeMarco. There we go. I thought it was DeMarco, but I was like, but he's, I mean, a diminished role, yeah. I mean, I, but I mean, like, it's not like his role was that huge to begin with, I guess. Right, I think yeah. in 2017, though, when, when McCoy ran well, they had him in there on offense a lot. Yeah, By they, they were starting to skew more pass-heavy at that point. Yeah. Not they are now, where, you know, it's, it's all the time. They're like, why do we even have... What is a, a fullback? What? Yes. Fullback? Yeah, they even they even changed Reggie Gilliam from fullback. They're like, oh, we want you on the team. We're just going to call you a tight end now. Mm-hmm. Um, 2017, no quiz for that day, but I will note a headline. Bills tap Panthers defensive coordinator Sean McDermott is next head coach. So that was a nice headline for this day. Remember when uh, I didn't know his name and I thought he was my friend? And <laughs> Yes. I kept calling him Shooter McGavin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the fun. All right, speaking of coaches, 2015, Rex Ryan reportedly wants blank, not Mark Trestman, as Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator. Uh, this is after Turk Schoner. It's the other guy I can't stand. Uh, Greg um, Roman. Greg, Greg Roman. Roman. Uh, That's right. Thank you, Scott. He's yep, being timely since we, we see him this week. 2013, Bills blank wants to show what he can do. He said, I had a couple of bad luck years here. I know what the expectations are. Blank said, matter of fact, last week as the players cleaned out their lockers. I just had to get healthy. I'm there now. I'm ready to prove myself. This was a gentleman who played 21 games as defense at a defensive tackle uh, position for the Bills in three injury riddled years between 2010 and 2012. So by the time he made this quote, he'd never played for the Bills again. Hmm. Defensive tackle, 2010-2012. Defensive position. Yep, defensive tackle. And interior okay. defensive lineman. So this, he would have been playing next to Kyle. Yep. Um, I will give a hint that I think is really going to help. He was picked by the Bills in the second round of the 2010 NFL draft out of Central Florida. He was the 41st overall pick of the draft, one pick ahead of number 42, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Rob Gronkowski. So this is, it's is it uh, Brian Scott? No, no. It's, um, he's a linebacker. Safety. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, but I know who you're talking of. Yeah, <clears throat> and it was frustrating because he never – he was injured too much to stay on the field. But he did flash when he was in there. Yeah. He actually would tear like up. Edwards, is it? What's that? Not like Ron Edwards, is it? Nope, no. Nope. A little after Ron. I know because I've used him as a point for like, look at how bad our drafts are. We took this guy who's not even on the damn team anymore. <laughs> And Rob Gronkowski's going to the Hall of Yeah. You're okay, who's gonna kill me? He has an alliterative name and it's Bruce teased. Banner, Peter Parker, Reed Richards, Sue Storm. What Sorry. is it? Terrell Troop. Terrell, Terrell Troop. Yep, good old yeah. Terrell. I figured that one's done. Tough luck, Terrell Troop. Yep, tough, tough luck, luck Terrell. Twenty twelve. Decision to be made on blank. I think it's a decision that we're going to have to make about where he is physically as to whether or not we re-sign him, said Buddy Nix. He's a good player, a really good player when he's healthy. He's done it. We need somebody that in that position, whether it will be him or not, I don't know yet. Uh, spoiler alert, the Bills did not re-sign this player, and he spent the final season of his career with Tampa. This was a Bills second-round pick of the 2005 NFL draft out of Miami, Florida. Not the good one, Miami of Ohio, as is, is Frank's mm. tell you. Uh, this was a dynamic player. He spent seven seasons with the team and scored 14 touchdowns. Seven were receiving, four were rushing, and three were via return. Hmm. My wife would say it's Roscoe the original Parrish. Miami. Oh, I think I heard Scott say it. Roscoe Parrish. Yeah, very good, Scott. All right. 2000s was a wasteland, but I managed to pull out two headlines anyway because not a lot of headlines on January 12th in the 2000s bills. Um 2004 blank's nephew wins punt pass and kick blank of grand island a nephew of bill's hall of famer blank was the winner in the boys eight to nine division in nfl chad punt. kelly chad kelly yes well say. done frank uh he was just there last just in for a tryout last week which was a thinly veiled attempt to get intel on the colts uh since he was colts third string quarterback earlier this year um 2001 Blank introduced today in press conference. Blank said all the right things today. The reaction from the public is overwhelmingly positive after his first press conference. Blank touched on a number of subjects, including the search for a new coach, the salary cap, and the future of Eric Moulds. Tom Donahoe? Tom Donahoe. All right. Um, so one more, but first I'll note a headline 1998 uh, that QB Flutie negotiating with Bills. That's, that actually did go somewhere. And here's the last one. 1992. Looks like the last one with the ball wins. This is a Washington Post article. The Buffalo Bills are heavily favored in today's AFC Championship game. And I do believe they will win, but it won't be easy. I believe Denver will compete very well at Rich Stadium. Uh, man, Rich Stadium. Denver's All offensive right. strength is simply John Elway, the most dangerous quarterback in the AFC. His running ability is excellent, giving Denver an extra. The Broncos will play against a Buffalo defense that has struggled this year because of injuries. They played better during the last quarter of the season after the return of defensive lineman Bruce Smith and Jeff Wright. Outside linebackers Daryl Talley and Cornelius Bennett have stepped up their game a notch. Also, Shane Conlon and Blank have played consistently on the inside. They played consistently well on the inside, giving Buffalo one of the best core of linebackers in the AFC. Ray Bentley? No, but that was a that was the guy who was who was also a star who was starting pretty much up until this point. Um, Figures, and I will right? say, yeah, the, the big the big hint I can give here is despite the headlines speculating that this would be an offensive battle, if it looks like the last one, the ball wins. The Bills would win the AFC title game 
10, 10 to, to 7, seven. On yeah, a I remember this game. Yeah, defensive TD scored by this player. Oh, man. This is a ninth-round pick of the Bills back when that was a thing in 1988 out of UNC. He had a solid 10-year career, uh, the first five with Buffalo and the last five with the Giants and Panthers. Uh, he's been he's been an answer twice on this day in Bills headlines. You guys have yet to get him, but I will give the hint again that I gave the other two times. Uh, his son, who's born and raised in Buffalo, New York, was a second Justin rapper. Bailey. Yes, that was a kid. Can you remember the dad? Carlton Bailey. Carlton Bailey. All right, Frank has learned. Fool him once, yes. shame on shame on shame on you. Fool, Fool me several on. times. Eventually, I'll <laughs> remember it. Yes. Um, well, Frank, several times, eventually I'll remember Carlton Bailey. Yeah, right. So kudos to Carlton on I, on this day. He was not only in that headline, but he also scored the only touchdown for the Bills that they need in a 10-7 win to advance to their second Super Bowl. And that was the State Bills headlines for January 12th. Well, okay. America. Um, the Bills and the Ravens. I don't have the odds. I usually have the odds. The last I thought was Buffalo two and a half. Sorry, Buffalo was three. Yeah, I've seen. So, so barely a pick em, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a close game. And I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. You know, Baltimore, as I had been breaking down the DVOAs over the weekend and I, and I, well, you know, I'm not a DVOA fan. I, I fully admit that I think there are problems with that stat, but I do think towards the end of the season, things like DVOA and point differential make more sense than, say, in the middle of the season. But point being, they're one of the few other really balanced teams like Indianapolis. Indianapolis, top 10 team in offense, defense, and special teams across the board. Baltimore, right there, they have a slightly better defense. Buffalo has a slightly better offense. Um, That changes a little if you control for more recent games, but you know, given the, the the Indianapolis Colts game, I don't know that we should. I think that probably offense is offense and defense is defense. Lamar Jackson, as, as Paul notes, also winning his first playoff game um, this past week. And so I'm sure that nobody wants to like lose now. Neither team is, is interested in losing now. Buffalo, thankfully hosting the game. Uh, my assessment of the game so far, and let's go to Scott first after I've said this. Um, and, and as a reminder, we're not picking who wins. We're all on the Bills team here. We're excited for Buffalo to beat Baltimore, so we're just rooting. But we're going to talk about how they can win and how they can lose the game. I do think that even though Baltimore runs the game, I think ultimately, no, sorry, because even though Baltimore ultimately Baltimore runs the best, right? They're a really good running team. I think that works to Buffalo's advantage in that you want to limit their ability to run all over you and create things like play action pass, much like they tried to do in 2019 last year. I think Scott, correct me if I'm wrong. You ultimately want to make Lamar Jackson beat you through the air. And it's not that he can't, it's just that that's a better option than letting them do whatever they want on the ground. Is that right? I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's it's tough because I don't I don't want to say that he is not a good throwing quarterback because right. he's he's perfectly good. Yes. He is not Drew Brees. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. He is he is good at throwing. He is also good at running um, the you know, the Ravens. If you look at their wins and losses this year, when he is throwing the most, it's because the game is high scoring and or they're behind. 
mm-hmm. and they don't always come back in those games. And that is obviously where the Bills want to put them. So I think you're correct. I think the, the correct answer is if you have to to take them away and if, if, if you want to make teams play left-handed on defense, the right hand that you're taking away if you're Buffalo is, is, the, is the run game. Um, so I think the, the good news is, is I, I think there are weaknesses in it. Um, I think Tennessee certainly kind of exposed those on Sunday and it's, it's, it, you know, they didn't do a great job against the Ravens run defense, but they basically did well enough to win as we kind of went through. They certainly, um, got to the point where the Ravens only scored 20 points. And again, like, like last week, I think the bill, I said the bills had to get 30, um, would have been I would have been able to get through the last you know 15 minutes of that game a lot easier if they had <laughs> scored 30, but um, you know 30 30 was enough. 25 would have been enough, obviously. Um, but if you if you um, if you look at that that Titans game again, you know the yeah sure um, you know obviously Jackson had the the big run 100 you know he had the long 48 yard he had 136 total, but Dobbins only had nine for 43. Edwards had eight for 38. Um, they had two kind of little passes to to hollywood brown that were technically runs um yeah they had 236 yards but they only scored 20 points um so you have to and and they their offensive line is okay um they are dinged up um i i didn't actually get a chance to check their injury report i know going into the tennessee game um their center was dinged uh the right tackle was dinged um so there was at least i think somebody else who was dinged as well so you know they have their issues they're on the offensive line. Um, the other thing is they don't they don't have the ability to threaten you as much over the top. Hollywood Brown is basically it. Um, he is um, certainly a fast guy, but not one that you know I feel like Trey White can't handle. Um, Trey White's a fast guy too and can kind of stay with those guys. You know, could he get beat once or twice? Yeah, but I, I'll, I'll I'll take my chances if if that's the, the the game plan from you know the Ravens. O should be you know attack the line, do the run blitzes. Obviously, you have to make sure that you're taking care of Mark Andrews. Clearly, um, three kind of fairly mediocre tight ends were able to destroy the Bills on Sunday and almost lost, almost cost us the game. Um, Mark Andrews is a much better tight end, um, so we certainly have to be able to, t- to to take him out of the play or, or bracket him or do whatever. Um, basically, the game plan on defense must be Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano and A.J. Klein, to the extent he's in, mm-hmm. pull their heads out of their you know rear ends and 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 play well um I, I think this is i think it's going to be a problematic matchup because i don't think the the bills defensive line um has been able to exploit kind of really bad offensive lines other than the late game pass rush mode um and th- this isn't a really bad offensive line it's just not a superior one like they were playing last week in indianapolis um briefly i will touch on the bills offense i think i think the critical thing for me in this game is going to be patience i think there's going to be a lot of plays that start like the Allen play where he lost the 23 yards on the sack. There are going to be times when Baltimore gets you. They're going to have the right pressure called. They're going to have the the guy singled up wrong. Our line is pretty good, and they're pretty good at pass blocking. They're not dominant. They're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be times when they get you, and that's where Josh Allen just needs to let it happen. Like, go down, take the sack, you're not always going to beat him. Sure, if it's just one guy and you're on the edge, maybe you can beat him and get to the edge and keep the play alive or, or whatever. But if if it's you're in the middle of the pocket or there's two guys coming at you, you just got to take it down and just say, you know, 
point to the Ravens. We'll get you the next time because they are a blitz-heavy defense. They run man almost all the time. Allen is an exceptional quarterback against man against man defense. He has consistently done really well against it. Um, so we are going to have opportunities to get the wide receivers into space. They certainly have good corners. Obviously, Marcus Peters is a good corner. Um, uh, Jimmy Smith is out, but I think the 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 Marcus I forget the other guy's name, uh, Marlon Humphreys is a good quarterback as well, is a good cornerback as well, forces a lot of fumbles, but our receivers can can win against those guys. Allen can win against those guys. You just have to be willing. You can't give them turnovers because if you give them turnovers, then the field starts tilting and it doesn't matter that they have a run-heavy offense because they will be able to punch it in um, and, and you're going to have a lot of issues. So that is my uh, that is my keys to the game, whatever you want to call it. All right, Paul. Oh. Scott hit really all of the high points I was going to hit there. The Ravens are a, a big blitzing team. He, you mentioned Myron Humphreys. He forced more fu- in his forced fumbles. He forced more fumbles than anyone in the NFL this year. He forced eight. And I do not see a situation where Josh is able to avoid him all game on, you know, on a, on a corner blitz or on a QB run. And this is a guy who's going to go for the ball. And Josh has... Not as much this year, but we saw it a bit uh, in the wild card game that fumbling can rear its ugly head at any point, so he has to be careful. The Baltimore's rushing offense, and this was pointed out in an article in the uh, Athletic by Matthew Fairborn, they were not just the most efficient rushing offense in the NFL. It's most efficient. It's more efficient than any rushing offense has been the last five years based on EPA per snap. So they are able to just do a ton of damage there. And Scott also brought up Mark Andrews and the threat that that he poses. They struggled with three mediocre tight ends last year. They're taking 2019 Pro Bowl or Mark Andrews, who had 852 yards, who has a decent catch, as good a catch percentage as anyone on the Ravens offense. And they will, you know, have to match up well against him, whether it's Milano or Evans or, as, as Scott pointed out, A.J. Klein. I've talked about the problems, but let's let's be real, too. There are... A lot. I think there are more avenues for the Bills to win this game than there are for the Ravens to win this game. I think the matchup you have of of Josh Allen against an okay secondary, but not a great secondary, and with the Bills, you know, offensive weapons. If Beasley can survive again this week, if Diggs doesn't seem to be bothered by the oblique injury, if Brown can shake off his bad game. And if Davis can perform anywhere near the level he played on Sunday, Saturday, excuse me, there are going to be a lot of chances in the passing game unless the weather is just completely out of control, Colts 2017-style weather. Uh, this is, you know, an opportunity for the Ravens. Is I, I think Lamar's a decent passer. I'm with Scott. He's a decent passer. He's a good player. But also looking at, he's not, he doesn't complete as high a percentage of passes as you would hope. And that means with the team so dependent on the run, it's just going to take one of those third and four situations where he misses a pass and they will punt. They are dependent on long drives. Those are tougher to throw together, as we have discussed numerous times on this podcast. He only threw for 2,700 some yards this year. If you can contain them on the ground, if you can avoid turnovers uh, to put them in good field position. And if you can get up by multiple scores on this team, you can put them away and you can make this. So it's not a sweat inducing game without giving a pick. I think it's going to be a sweat inducing game. I think these are two very well-matched teams. They can pick on each other's weaknesses and it should be a, 
an entertaining one to watch, if not a terrifying one. We've lost Frank, I think. Frank? Well, oh, Frank's on mute. I'm here. I'm here. There we okay. go. <laughs> okay. So my mom had called and I put you guys on mute so I could tell her I'll call her back. Hopefully you didn't hear that, but um, no, we did not. Okay, well that would just be an interesting. But what I was going to say was, hopefully we look back and we say, "God, what a great game that was!" And I can't wait to watch it again and talk about it in the annals of Bill's victory. Um, because I agree that um, by and large, right, if Buffalo gets up on this team, that's what they want. I think that's what Buffalo wants. Is you want to get up early on this football team and then put them in the uncomfortable spot. Um, I am hopeful. Given some of what Paul was saying and, and Scott, too, like what I'm hopeful will happen is Alan is settled in to where he is now. Right. Like this monkey is off their back of you got to win a playoff game. And I think that you can say what you want. But, you know, McDermott's 0 and 2, Alan's 0 and 1. Um, the entire season this year was built towards this game. Right. Like. From week one, they already knew, like, kind of what you do in the season almost doesn't matter unless you win this game. Now they've won this game, and now they can try and win the next one. And to me, that's that's good. That 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 puts them back where they want it to be. They've, they've accomplished something. So I'm hopeful that Allen, um, you know, in that spot again, okay, I'll take the sack here. He understands now. Or, okay, I don't have to run it as quickly as I did before. Or, you know— Diggs and Brown and Beasley, like, we're not going to get drops like that, right? Like, Brown's working himself back in. You know, Diggs obviously wants to show out. I think that offensively they're going to be in a better place. And I do think somebody was talking today on the radio. It might have been Sal Capaccio talking about how the Patriots also have a terrible run defense, but they managed to stop um, the, the Ravens from doing the thing that they wanted to do by doing stuff with safeties and I don't know, it was all over my head, but I thought sure Buffalo could do that. I think that what we have seen is that Buffalo can stop the run if they, if they commit to it. And I think that what I had said before uh, the podcast was maybe on, uh, on the chat was, you know, it's a great day for a guy like Tredavious Wade to earn this pay, right? Like line up, shut down a guy and everybody else keep it under control. And that should be good. We should be able to to do this. And so I'm hopeful that that's the case. I think you guys have outlined beautifully how Buffalo can beat Baltimore. Um, if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can. MNY Bills on Twitter, MNY on Facebook. Um, that's the way to do it. You can find us Buffalo Bills maybe next year. Pass our podcast along to friends. Um, we're really excited. I mean, I'm excited for this Saturday night game. Like, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it to Saturday night. And, and waking up on Saturday morning with a nine-month-old and a five-year-old that probably somewhere between five in the morning and eight in the morning, um, and then having to wait to eight at night to watch it and then watch it, I, I think is only overcome by Scott, who, you know, it will be two in the morning or one? Be about one fifteen. Are you? Are you gonna? <laughs> is that your plan? Are I you staying be, up? I will be there live and in the flesh. All Atta right, boy. All right. Well, good. You are. You are having a potential four a.m. day. That is. Uh, I'd like to thank your wife in advance for whatever she does Sunday, because <laughs> I think that's going to be key. And uh, we but, need to note to Scott, like, you better pull your weight on Saturday. <laughs> more yeah. than your weight on Saturday. Right. Sunday... Friday and Saturday, don't leave anything to doubt. Absolutely. <laughs> Understood. Right. Well, until until then, thank you so much for listening. We'll, we'll, we'll speak to you next week, uh, hopefully previewing an AFC championship game. I mean, let's do it. Uh, until then, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. 
Good night, everybody.